0: Bismillah. Bismillah wa alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salam ala Rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa walah amma ba'd as-salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa as How's everybody doing? Alhamdulillah. So insha'Allah ta'ala, we're continuing with ayah number 20 in which Allah ta'ala says, ba'd billahi min rajim wa suyyirati jibalu fa-kanat saraba. And the mountains are removed and will be but a mirage. So what is this referring to? Well The context, of course, just to remind everybody, we were talking about these uh, uh, scary scenes of Judgment Day and what things will look like on that day. What's interesting is that we know that previously, earlier, Allah Ta'ala was describing the mountains as having what function? In ayah number seven, وَالْجِبَالَ أَوْتَادَ that the mountains create stability. Now you find the departure of these mountains imply what? That this world is over. Why? Because the most stable thing you could think of is now gone, so what about everything else? I mean, even, even today with all of our technology, when we think about everything that we depend upon to live, whether it be, you know, uh, what's it called, the uh, uh, places that are generating energy, electricity, uh, water filtration and, and uh, you know, uh, what's it called, the, the processing plants and so forth. When we think about everywhere that gets produced in terms of food and all the buildings we live in and the homes and everything, none of them are as tough as a mountain, right? If a flood comes or if a tornado comes or if an earthquake comes, everything that we make uh, is going to be just completely destroyed, uh, whereas the mountains have a chance of actually surviving. Uh, so subhanAllah, if the mountains are going to be completely destroyed, well then us and our, all of our infrastructure and everything that we uh, live on, and it's all gone. So it's, that's, uh, in fact, like I said, the jiban are outad. they keep everything stable, they're maintaining this, uh, they represent stability. And also I want to remind everyone that these ayat from 17 to 20, you find they go from the highest down, down, down towards us. So uh, the decree of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the highest of the high, right? In Nayom al Ayah number 17. So that's the highest of the high. The, the, this, this time is appointed by Allah from above the seven heavens. Then you go down a little bit and you have the angels, right? Right? suri Now you have the angel blowing in the trumpet. Then you go a little bit lower. You have the skies above your head, and you see how SubhanAllah. The skies are opening up, becoming these gateways, and then lower than that is, but still above our heads, is what getting closer to us is the mountains. We still look up to them, which are what wasuyiratil So from 17, 18, 19, 20, you find that it's going from the highest of the high, getting closer and closer and closer to you, implying what it's on your way down to you. This this reality is coming down towards you, and it should really just it paints a picture of this 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 reality uh, crashing down upon you. May Allah protect us. This word wasuyirat uh, coming from Yasiru uh, uh, sayran, or seeratan, or tasiaran, or seeruratan, masiran, masiratan. Anyway, there's lots of different masadir here, but it means what? To move casually from its place. Uh, uh, and uh, so say means to set in motion or to drive something, to get something going or moving in action. And it implies a certain uh, casualness, which, which goes with the idea of a uh, mirage, you know, something that is not necessarily fast moving. It's something that's more calm. So what is this, uh, and, uh, yeah, Sarab shows up twice in the Quran. Why is Allah Ta'ala describing this mirage? Uh, uh, because people won't believe what they're seeing, that's one reason, or because a mirage has no reality. It's not real, right? It's something that you see, but it's not really real. And on that day, when our universe is falling apart, it will have no real existence. It'll be, it'll, it's gonna cease to exist. So this seems fitting. And like I said, uh, this, uh, uh, this word, mirage or sarab, shows up twice in the Quran. I'll tell you where the second place is later, inshallah, in a moment, uh, because I find it's, it, it feeds into a different point, inshallah. So why will the mountains look like a mirage? What is this idea that the mountains will look like a mirage? A few different possible understandings. Number one is that we all know after an explosion, uh, the mushroom cloud looks like a mountain when it's just smoke and dust. We know this, right? We've all seen images of like a gigantic explosion, mushroom cloud, and you look at it and you think, oh man, that's a big mountain. It's not a big mountain, obviously, it's just the dust and uh, the smoke, et cetera. So in the same way that a cloud looks like a mountain in the sky, uh, but then when the plane approaches it, I'm sure we've all been this, you know, when you're young, you're a kid, you're inside of a plane, and you're like, oh man, we're gonna, we're, we're headed right for that mountain. It looks like a mountain, right? But then obviously as you get closer and closer, the mountain just, uh, it's, it's a cloud, it's not a mountain. And then you go through it, you realize it's all what? It's all just mist. Um, it could be that the mountains will become pulverized into dust and form clouds that create a mirage like illusion of a mountain, but it's just dust. And this seems to be in line with the ayah in Surah Al Naml, ayah number 88, in which Allah says, wa wa hiya Almost exactly describing this scene where Allah Ta'ala says, What? And you see the mountains thinking them rigid while they will pass as the passing of clouds. So, how does that work? Well, perhaps it's the case that these they've been pulverized and, and Allah knows best. And many different ayat like this, And the mountains will be like wool fluffed up. In Surah Qari'ah, also in Surah uh, uh, Ma'arij. jibalu And the mountains will be like wool. Many different ayat like this. Another perspective is what? They'll be flat. In other words, and you could put these two together. After they've exploded and become these like dust clouds, eventually dust settles, right? And so it could be that all that dust will settle and become exactly flat plain. As Allah Ta'ala says, وَيَسْأَلُونَكَ عَنِ الْجِبَالِ فَقُلْ رَبِّي نَسْفًا فَيَذَرُهَا قَاعًا صفصفًا لَا تَرَى فِيهَا عِوَجًا وَلَا <أَمْتَى> Allah says in Surah Taha, Ayat 105 to 107, and they ask you about the mountains, so say, my Lord will blow them away with a blast and he will leave the earth a level plane. You will not see therein a depression or an elevation. You're completely flat. So it makes sense that it explodes. It turns to dust particles and then it all settles. There are many different ayat that explain this or describe this. And this is really important for us to realize. Why does Allah Ta'ala say in so many ayat that the mountains will become destroyed? Because again, that's like basically the most stable thing that we have as a structure. Again, uh, everything else that we've created, as beautiful as this building is, it's wooden, <laughs> it has not even close to the strength of a mountain in a, a disaster situation. And same thing with all of our structures and all of our infrastructure, everything that keeps us alive. There are many ayat like this. And the mountains will pass on, departing. Allah says, وبصيت ال... وبصيت When the earth is shaken with convulsion, and the mountains are broken down, crumbling, and become dust dispersing. Uh, and the earth and the mountains are lifted and leveled with one blow. Uh, وإذا الج... وإذا and when the mountains are blown away. Uh, يوم, ترجف, uh, يَوْمَ تَرْجُفُ الْأَرْضُ وَالْجِبَالُ فَكَانَتِ الْجِبَالُ كَثِيبًا مهيلة. On the day the earth and the mountains will convulse and the mountains will become a heap of sand pouring down. So you see all of these ayats uh, have the same you find theme or the same sort of description and Allah knows best. It's also very important to note that it seems that the highest thing becomes the lowest thing right if you have a mountain that you look up to so powerful so big so uh, you know awe-inspiring so great you look up to it and now it becomes underneath your feet flat so this you could say is an illusion to or um you know a foreshadowing it seems to be foreshadowing foreshadowing what will happen to the people on judgment day those who seemed powerful the corrupt the evil the people that were in charge in the worst of ways uh, they will become the weakest this seems to be suggested by the fact that the word sarab as i mentioned is mentioned twice and where is the other time that it's found? It is found in Surah An-Nur, ayah number 39. It's a parable min Al-Amthal Al-Qur'an, and I did a detailed uh, explanation of this parable, but just the beginning of the ayah says what? وَالَّذِينَ كَفَرُوا أَعَمَالُهُمْ كَسَرَابٍ But those who disbelieve, their deeds are like a mirage. So SubhanAllah, what is the implication here? The implication is if you dedicate a lifetime of work for this dunya, and then the dunya is basically over, then it's equivalent to having a mountain of deeds that you've invested towards something finite. And now you get to watch that mountain crumble to dust. So this is reminiscent of a very powerful proverb, a nice expression that says what? The tragedy of life is not that it ends soon, but that we wait so long to begin it. SubhanAllah, that is a very powerful quote. I'll say that again. The tragedy of life is not that it ends so soon, but that we wait so long to begin it. So SubhanAllah, we should get serious about our akhirah. Then Allah Ta'ala says what? Inna jahannama كَانَتْ indeed hell has been lying in wait so you find that there's a shift in tone and a shift now in subject and we're going to explain this in a few ways well first of all what's the connection to the previous ayah i really find the connection here quite powerful the previous ayah was describing something that appeared solid the what the mountain it appeared as something solid yet it's going to be like an illusion it happens to be one of the most solid things in the world but now it's going to be like nothing like an illusion now, this ayah is talking about the exact inverse, describing what isn't apparent at all. None of us see hellfire. Yet, it's the most real thing that a person can experience. Hell itself, this fire, right? So you see the switch? From something that you find so solid, and so immovable, and so real, it's gonna become nothing. Now, the thing that you're just like not so sure about, it seems like just an idea, hell, is it really, pla- now it's gonna become the most real. So you find a complete switch. Furthermore, very interesting fact about this ayah is what? This is ayah number 21. How many ayat in the surah? 40 ayat. So that means we just finished 20 ayat and now the next 20, we just hit that midpoint. So what is fascinating about this? You find that the first 20 ayat were offering evidences and stern warnings. Don't you see what I created for you? Don't you see where you live? Don't you know? So they were stern warnings and evidences. But now you find that from here on out, the intensity gets turned up a lot, right? So for the very first, You know, now that we hit the midpoint, it starts with, Hellfire is waiting in ambush. It wants to jump you. It's really heavy. And you're gonna find that the rest of the ayat, describing hell, then describing paradise, and then describing judgment day, all of it, the intensity jumps up a notch, as you will find inshallah ta'ala. So this midpoint is really quite fascinating. And furthermore, we should recognize that uh, uh, Allah ta'ala also mentioned something that can be lying dormant and then awoken. And that was us. Uh, وَجَعَلْنَا نَوْمَكُمْ سُبَاتًا وَجَعَلْنَا لباسا, وَجَعَلْنَا نَهَارًا In ayat 9, 10, and 11, Allah Ta'ala was talking about, you know, you go to sleep at nighttime, and then you wake up during the day. So in the same way, Allah Ta'ala is saying, now I can make hellfire the same way. Something that is lying dormant, and now it's going to spring into action. Just like you wake up in the morning, and get moving, you were once dormant, and now you're, so you find this, this, this parallel right here. Now this word, مرصاد, uh, uh, Marsad is a place of ambush Mirsad is an ideal place of ambush so it's a you could say emphatic term and it also can the verb arsad yursidu irsadan can imply what أَعَدَّ uh, 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 to prepare something. So it's a place that is prepared. It's, it's, a, it's like waiting for this job. And also yani uh, or ترقب. It's something that is anticipating, lying in wait. It's actually looking forward to this. This hellfire is, has this quality to it where it wants this to take place. It's looking forward to it and it's lying in wait. And it's also on the mifal pattern which is a contrast to alam Arda Mihada, Right? In إِنَّ جَهَنَّمَكَانَتْ مِرَصَعَدَىٰ So you find that these two words are kind of contrasting with each other, saying what? I used to put you in this earth that is like a, like a, a resting place, like a, like a bed almost. It's so comfortable for you. You could do, do whatever you want. But you people disbelieved in me. So now you get what? This place lying in ambush. And you see that there's this somewhat of a parallel here. Now, what does this mean that that, that Jahannam, hellfire, is lying in wait? The most straightforward meaning of this is that it's literally describing hellfire, which is impatiently, enthusiastically, uh, 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 awaiting this moment that it can consume the disbelievers. It actually really wants to. Why? Because it seems that hellfire has the qualities of the people of hellfire. It has rage like the people of hellfire, you know, people who lose their temper a lot. It has gluttony and it wants to keep stuffing itself. Allah Ta'ala mentions, li wa On the day we will say to the hellfire, have you been filled? And it will say, Are there, is there any more? So this thing is so gluttonous. It's greedy. I want more. Just like the people of Hellfire. It's like, this is who you were, right? You were this greedy, gluttonous individual. You just wanted more. You always wanted more for yourself. Khalas, you go to hell. That's exactly the same quality. More, more, more for me. Right? And so, even when it's stuffed, it's saying, Can I have more? Can I have more? It's like, Look, man, you're stuffing yourself to the point you're going to vomit. I want more. It has this sickness to it. Kind of like the people of Hellfire. And also, Allah mentions that's in Surah Qaf. Also, you find in Surah uh, uh, Mulk, Takadu uh, Tamayyazu Al It's almost, almost bursting with rage. Hellfire is a place of anger. It's almost exploding. It's killing itself with rage. Just like people who have such a short temper, they get like, you know, blood pressure issues and all sorts of medical problems. They're boiling on the inside. They get all ulcers or whatever the case is. SubhanAllah. So this is the first interpretation, the most straightforward is that hellfire has this quality. Another way of looking at it is that this could be a reference to who? Not literally hellfire itself, but the angels of hellfire. And of course, these things could be both. It could be both. But it could be the angels of hellfire who are waiting in ambush, as Allah Ta'ala mentions. We will call the angels of hell, Zabaniya, this group. How many are they? Ashab. Allah mentions in Surah Muddafir. And we have not made the keepers of the fire except angels, and we have not made their number except as a trial for those who disbelieve. So SubhanAllah could be re- referring to this Zabaniya, these uh, 19 angels that are going to be on top. And of course, we know the name of the, the head, the chief. What's his name of hellfire? Malik, Malik. yes, Malik. Malik is the name of the uh, ayah, the leader. Uh, he's the one in charge. And we know, as Allah Ta'ala mentioned in Surah 66, which is Surah Tahrim, that they, uh, they never disobey the commands that they're given. The third interpretation is that there will be certain angels waiting on in, uh, in, uh, at hellfire to catch the believers. That the angels of paradise will be standing, waiting for the believers who are crossing the bridge of Sirat. Because everybody has to cross the bridge of Sirat. Everybody has to see hellfire first, right? This is, this is necessary. Don't think that, oh, well, I'll just jump that part. No, everybody has to see hell. Allah Ta'ala just described, uh, uh, the skies are what? Kanat Abuaba. Allah just described in a few ayat ago, what? That the skies are gonna open up. We didn't say, what are you gonna see? You know, when you say, you know, let's look behind the curtain, let's open the door and see what's behind it. Allah just said, I'm going to open the door. You're going to check behind the curtain. Now you see, Inna jahannam كَانَا مِرْصَادًا The whole time, what was waiting for us? Waiting for all of us, every single human being is hellfire. And then the question is, who's, everybody has to cross it, but some people can cross and others are going to get caught. So there are certain angels. It could be Mirsada, يعني they're waiting in wait to catch the believers. This is one interpretation. As Allah Ta'ala mentions in Surah Maryam, ayat 71 and 72 إِلَّا وَارِدُهَا كَانَ عَلَىٰ رَبِّكَ حَتْمًا ثُمَّ نُنَجِّ الَّذِينَ وَنَذَرُ الظَّالِمِينَ فِيهَا jifiyya. And there is none of you except he will come to it. Every single one of us is going to come to hellfire. None of you except you are going to come to it. This is upon your Lord an inevitable decree. We have to. Then we will save those who fear Allah and leave the wrongdoers within it on their knees. SubhanAllah. So this is uh, another interpretation that there's gonna be the angels that catch you and help you when you're on, just, on this bridge of sirat. And a fourth way of looking at this, and Allah knows best, is that this is referring to the stations of hellfire. This is a, a narration from Ibn Abbas. Anna jisri jahannama sab'atu mahabis. On the bridge of hellfire, there are seven holding stations. Yus uh, عن شهادتي أن لا إله إلا الله فإن أجابها تامة جاز إلى الثاني ويسألوا عن الصلاة فإن أجابها تامة جاز إلى الثالث ويسألوا عن الزكاة وإن أجابها تامة جاز إلى الرابع ويسألوا عن الصوم فإن جاء به تاما جاز إلى إلى الخامس ويسأل عن الحج فإن جاء به تاما uh, جاز uh, الى السادس ويسال عن العمره وان اجابها تامه uh, جاز الى السابع ويسال uh, فيسال عن عن المظالم. Uh, فان خرج منها uh, والا يقال انظر فان كان له تطوع uh, اكمل به اعماله فاذا فرغ منه انطلق به الى جنة, الى الجنه that on the bridge of sirat there is these seven holding stations the slave will be asked the first one about the testimony la ilaha illallah if he answers if his answer is complete he'll be permit, permitted to the second asked about prayer and if that is complete he'll be permitted to the third where he's going to be asked about zakah. and if that is complete then he'll be permitted to the fourth where he's asked about fasting and uh, and if he came with it complete then he's permitted to the fifth and uh, where he's asked about hajj and uh, if he came with it complete he's permitted to the sixth where he's asked about umrah and if he answered if his answer was complete he's permitted to the seventh where he's asked about injustices subhanallah injustices and if he gets out of that and he goes to paradise and if not then he's going to be it's going to be said look and see if he has extra supererogatory and uh, uh, and use it to complete his deeds and if he is free from it then he is going he will go to paradise so subhanallah you will be stopped at these stations and asked about your deeds some scholars say that this verse is like i said mentioning bridge of sirat. it's a path uh, hell has always been a path that everybody must cross and as people will be crossing the bridge of uh, this bridge hellfire will be waiting to ambush them and drag them to the depths of hell may Allah protect us and we should think of every single evil temptation the same way just lying in wait every time you see like oh maybe I should just go this way maybe I should do that maybe I should this you should always think about this is just like waiting to ambush me these shayateen these evil desires they're waiting to jump and catch me they're ready to pounce and ambush now, I didn't mention the word Jahannam. I'm gonna finish up soon, inshallah. Where does this word Jahannam come from? Different opinions. Some say it comes from Jehinnam, which means al qar Al-Ba'id. The word jihinnam means a bottomless or very, dip, uh, very deep, something bottomless or very deep. So that's one interpretation. Another option or opinion is that it's from the root word Jahuma, Yajahumu, Jahamatan, or Jahumatan, which means to be enraged, to scour, to scowl to uh, gl- uh, glower or to frown, basically to be very frustrated. Why? Because it's a place of rage, it's a place where the people are all in pain and in rage. Yes. And the final hadith that I want to mention is a scene in which the Prophet describes uh, 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 Judgment Day. He says, I'm not gonna mention the whole hadith, it's a lengthy hadith uh, that is found in Sahih Bukhari. I'll just mention a short portion of it. Fayudrabu as siratu bayna jahannam. فَأَكُونُ أَوَّلَ مَنْ يَجُوزُ مِنَ الرُّسُلِ بِأُمَّتِهِ وَلَا يَتَكَلَّمُ يَوْمَئِذٍ أَحَدٌ إِلَّا الرُّسُلِ وَكَلَامُ الرُّسُلِ يَوْمَئِذٍ اللَّهُمَ السَّلِّمْ سَلِّمْ وَفِي جَهَنَّمَ كَلَالِيبُ مِثْلُ شَوْكِ السَّعْدَانِ هل رأيتم شوك السعدان؟ قالوا نعم. قال فإنها مثل شوك السعدان غير أنه لا يعلم قدر عظمها إلا الله. يخطفو يخطفو الناس بأعمالهم فمنهم من يبقو بعمله ومنهم من يخردل يخردل ثم ينجو. The Prophet says that As-Sirat, is a br- this bridge, will be laid across hell and I, Muhammad Wasallam, will be the first amongst the messengers to cross it with my followers. Nobody except the messengers will then be able to speak and they will be saying, O oh Allah, save us, save us. Uh, there will be hooks like thorns of Sa'dan in hell. Have you ever seen the thorns of Sa'dan? He asked and the people said yes. He said these hooks will be like the thorns of Sa'dan but nobody except Allah knows their greatness in size. So I guess the the shape or the look of it is like that, those ones that they're familiar with but nobody knows how big uh, they are. Uh, and these will entangle the people according to their deeds some of them will fall and stay in health hell forever others will receive punishment torn to small pieces and then they'll get out of hellfire So, subhanallah this scene is uh waiting for the disbelief waiting and then allah says "What? we're going to get into that next week may allah make us of those who are protected from jahannam may allah make us realize this incredible reality that we can look up at the sky and think that this is our reality. But SubhanAllah, it's all going to be peeled back and we're going to see this hellfire awaiting all of us, even the best of us. But we just have to pass it. So may Allah Ta'ala make us of those who stay away from evil and don't do turian and transgression, but rather we have taqwa, we, we have self-restraint when it comes to evil so that we can get across safely and sound. Amin, Rabbil Alameen. al Wa salaam alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.